paid for by The David Pollock Show, LLC. Patriots, listen up. It's time to wake up and smell the freedom. Beard Vet Coffee is here to fuel your American spirit. This isn't just coffee. It's a battle cry in a cup. A declaration of love for the land of the free and the home of the brave. Crafted by the hands of those who've walked the walk, talked the talk, and, yeah, grown the damn beard. Vet founded, vet focused, and beard operated. This is coffee with a mission, a purpose, and a testament to the unyielding American spirit. It's a tribute to the tireless resolve that courses through the veins of our great nation. This is the taste of victory, the flavor of freedom, the coffee that stands as firm as our belief in America's destiny to lead and never to kneel. Beard Vet Coffee is more than a brand. It's a legacy steeped in the principles that make America great. It's for those who stand with pride under the stars and stripes, who uphold the values that light the torch of liberty for the world to see. So, are you ready to supercharge your day the American way? Beard Vet Coffee is not just a choice. It's a declaration of independence from mediocre mornings. Bold, brave, unbound, brewed for the American patriot. Beard Vet Coffee. Make your mornings great again. David Pollack here. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you're looking for more information on any of our sponsors, or perhaps you want to hear a replay of a past show, make sure to visit thedavidpollockshow.com. There, you'll also find our latest articles, links to our social media, and opportunities to become a sponsor yourself. So remember to visit thedavidpollockshow.com. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I don't want you to protest, I don't want you to ride, I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad! Wait a minute, wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. Wait a minute, I tell you. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Welcome to the David Pollack Show. I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Everything is Welcome, welcome, welcome to the David Pollack Show. Uh, just wrapped up a little segment with the American Adversaries. They are such a great show. If you guys don't listen to them, I'm sure you are, because you're listening to me. You were just listening to them. Everybody has to check out the American Adversaries. They are the OGs around here. Uh, basically, they should have a monument outside built to them um, for everything they do in this community. Great, great radio show, and I appreciate so much, uh, Chris, allowing me to be on your show and all the love you give the David Pollock Show. Um, they, you know... There's a lot to talk about. Now, tonight we're going to be talking about, just so you know, we're talking about blockchain. And as I previewed on the adversaries, uh, you're going to be like, what, what's blockchain? Let me tell you, I talk to crypto guys all the time. And they're always like, oh, I got to tell you about blockchain and crypto and all stuff. I'm like, yeah, 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 I don't understand what you're talking about. Then I started hearing more about it. And then when we started talking about things like election integrity, started talking about all kinds of things, um, I started to learn more about what blockchain was and how it could actually be used to make American elections more secure. And a lot of other uh, things, you know, technology is changing. And these guys are out here on the forefront uh, trying to basically lead a new, new industrial revolution and, you know, with a, an accounting system that 
kind of is more safe than the banks. We're going to talk about all of that later. Um, but before I get into um, all of that, I kind of want to fill you in and what we missed uh, since the last time we spoke. I have a very short amount of time tonight to do that because we're going to have a panel discussion for the, uh, I guess, three quarters of the show. Um, but I don't know if you guys saw the debate. Of course, I, I, Look, I wouldn't be watching these debates anymore um, if I didn't have a radio show and didn't need to talk about them for you guys. Who honestly cares? I mean, I guess you can get entertained. Uh, Jeff, here's cut four. Here's what's entertaining about that debate. We disagree about some issues, and we disagree about who should be president of the United States. What we don't disagree on is this is a smart, accomplished woman, and you should stop insulting so her. So I'm going to take this. I'm going to take several times. Chris, your version of foreign policy experience was closing a bridge from New Jersey to New York. Yeah. So do everybody a favor. Just walk yourself off that stage, enjoy a nice meal, yeah. and get the hell out of this yeah, race. <laughs> when it comes to Nick- that was about the most entertaining thing that's ever happened in a debate in a long time. I mean, look, the reason why I loved... I still love it. Donald Trump was it because that's very that's a Trumpy thing to do, you know, like it's anger. And a lot of people are like that's ugly. I don't like it. But you know what? Chris Christie has offered nothing productive this entire campaign other than I'm here to stop Trump. You know what, Chris Christie? Nobody wants you to stop Trump. That's what Democrats are trying to do. They're trying to stop Trump. And you're running around not running on anything positive, but running to stop Trump. Well, you know what? That pisses us all off, including Vivek. And I like the fact that he sits there and and just lets you have it the way you've been bullying people all, all throughout your career, but especially since his campaign. I, I liked Chris Christie for a period of time. I thought he was a good conservative. But this never-Trump anger, it's disgusting. This, this establishment anger. I mean, when is it going to stop? People I used to really respect, people like Sean Hannity, Brian Kilmeade. I used to love listening to Brian Kilmeade. But he's become nothing but a mouthpiece for the angry establishment. This is going to be cut three, Jeff. Take cut three. Thank you, Ramaswamy. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. So here is an interview with Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah, they uh, think they lose him. To, this is what they're saying now. They think they lose him. Kilmeade starts like talking smack. And Vivek's like, wait a second, I'm still here. And look how angry Brian gets that Vivek's still here. I don't know if he got startled, but check it out. I mean, if there's... Can you hear us now? Hey, Vivek. Vivek, are you comfortable? Are you comfortable with Russia taking as much as Ukraine as they want? Are you comfortable pulling all our aid out? And do you really believe that Vladimir Putin will agree not to have an alliance with China? I think we have to be play hardball there and make a hard deal that requires any reneging on that deal to have major consequences. Like what? Like for sanctions so like we have right now? Well, look, I think that we have to be able to have real consequences, maximum pressure campaign. We have sanctions. We don't have a maximum pressure campaign. And I can go into the details of that, and I have at the Nixon Library and elsewhere. But what I'm saying, Brian, is the clear principles are this war doesn't advance U.S. interests. Yes, the it Russia, does. China if you give up Eastern Europe, if you give up Eastern Europe, we're being a world war. Qu- if I may ask you a question, if right. you ask but, a question, but, I want but, to make but, sure but, I answer I'm just going to answer you. It is detailed, in our interest. Detailed contours of a deal. I think it is not in our interest to strengthen the Russia-China alliance, and I think our policy it's right now be done is anyway. driving Russia further into China's well, arms. It's going to be I done anyway. With you, you, I respectfully you disagree with you on that. You keep Russia from China. I think Russia is going. I think the answer you can take that down, Joe. We are driving so Russia. So you can China hear fans. how irritated, how irritated Brian Kilmeade is. And what was funny about this? I, what I really think happened because you know Brian's usually a better interviewer than that. 
He kept over-talking Vivek, 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 whatever. He kept over-talking him. He kept bullying him, pushing him around. It was like, it was really hard to listen to, honestly. But what I think happened was I think Brian didn't think Vivek was going to come back on. I think he was kind of startled by it. And then he used that emotion. It kind of fueled him a little bit. But that anger, why does Brian Kilme care so much if we send billions of dollars to Ukraine? Most Americans do not want billions of dollars going to Ukraine. Most Americans want billions of dollars being spent here in the United States on our collapsing economy. But no, we're sending hundreds of billions of dollars to Ukraine. Nobody wants it except these establishment people. What is in it for them? I don't know. But Brian Kilmeade was so upset with Vivek. I mean, it was just it, it was one of the worst interviews I've ever seen uh, Kilmeade do. But that's the anger of this establishment anger. It's unbelievable. Now, I understand why they're angry. And I talked about this on the adversaries for a few minutes. I understand why they're angry. It, it, it is anger. But you know what it is? It's fear. What are they afraid of, David? Well, Despite everything they've thrown at Donald Trump, despite the multiple uh, 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 indictments, the impeachments, the civil suits, the 24-7 campaign against him, propping up Ron DeSantis, propping up Nikki Haley, everything they've done to try to get rid of Donald Trump, it's not working. The latest polls... Not to mention the fact that Joe Biden's disapproval rating is keep going up and up and up. And his approval rating is going down and down and down. The presidential Republican primary right now, I'm sure you saw this in Iowa, where Ron DeSantis has basically bought us a, a winter house. Trump's ahead 51 percent, 51 percent. Wow. Ron DeSantis, 99 counties, every county in Iowa. And, and Donald Trump's at 51 percent. But it gets better. In the head-to-head matchup against Joe Biden, Donald Trump beats Joe Biden 49 to 44%. If you do a head-to-head with DeSantis, and this is Georgia, but if you do a head-to-head against DeSantis, 48 to 45. DeSantis, remember early on they said DeSantis beats Biden. He's our best hope. DeSantis is losing to Biden in some of these polls. Nikki Haley actually is doing surprisingly well. Um, there was a report out in the Wall Street Journal that it was like the shock poll that had her up by like 17 points. It would have been the largest margin of victory since Reagan. Now, that was just an outlying poll. But you can see they're trying to prop up Nikki Haley now. Nikki Haley is the establishment's best hope of beating Donald Trump. How much energy are they putting in to ensuring that Donald Trump isn't? A- Listen, 94 percent of the people who supported Donald Trump in 2020. We'll support him again. What good is it serving the Republican Party to fight Donald Trump? Take all that money, all that energy, all that time, all that campaigning, and use it to help the man get elected. Use it because there's another poll here. Favorability for Republicans over Democrats is like a six-point spread. Republicans are leading Democrats in enthusiasm by like six points. All of this energy, all of this wasted energy could have been spent getting Republicans elected in some of these uh, special elections or at least setting up the stage to take back the Senate and grow our margins in the House in 2024. Instead, what is the establishment doing? 
expelling George Santos? <laughs> and then Kevin McCarthy's retiring? We're going to have a one-vote majority in the House of Representatives while Ronna McDaniel's running around talking about all her victories. Guys, the Republicans would rather lose power than have Donald Trump get reelected. You can see it in the anger of Jack Smith, who is now going to the Supreme Court, trying to leapfrog the appellant court to make sure that Donald Trump's prosecution is going along this time frame that has him in trial throughout the election. Unbelievable. These people will stop at nothing to stop Trump. And what does that make you think? Is he the worst human since John Gotti or something? What are they so afraid of? What are they so afraid of? What is Brian Kilmeade so angry about? What is Sean Hannity so angry about? Well, I'll tell you what it is. He has pledged to be a dictator for one day. He has pledged to drain this swamp. He has pledged to replace all of these people who do nothing for you and do everything for their uni party that we're all getting sick and tired of hearing from. They're afraid of Donald Trump because what he is going to do, because he's already done it, is finish what he started. And that's give the power back to the people. And nothing scares establishment Republicans, establishment Democrats, lobbyists, corporate interests. Nothing scares globalists more than giving power to the people, letting them decide. That's what they're afraid of. They don't trust us. They're afraid of us, which is why they're afraid of him. But I'll tell you something, establishment Republicans, establishment Democrats, uni party, whatever have you, you should be afraid. Because what you did to the American people from 2016 to now, between what you did to Trump with the impeachments and the Russian collusion hoaxes and all this other stuff, the indictments, weaponizing our justice system, what happened with January 6th, what happened during COVID, what's happened with gas prices, food prices, fuel prices, what's happened in the war with, war, with, with terror and war and wasting our money on, on foreign wars. You should be afraid because we're coming. And we're not going to take this establishment garbage anymore. I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, we're going to talk blockchain. So don't go anywhere. Dave Pollock Show. We'll be right back. Seems Florida is a popular place to live these days. But do you know who is not feeling the effects of limited home inventory? Bugs. That's right. As popular as Florida is for people, pests like it even more, which is why I recommend pest control, termite treatment, and fertilization from Protex. With over 40 years of experience, their fully licensed, bonded, and insured team utilize state-of-the-art products and techniques to maintain a pest-free home. But that's not all. They also provide the highest quality fertilization and pond management services so you can have a green yard and not a green pond. So if you want to keep your lawn on green and your home bug free. Call Protex today at 407-542-0044 or visit them online at protexlawn.com. That's P-R-O-T-E-X lawn.com. 
business owners, are you sick of dealing with those big name telecommunications companies that leave you frustrated with terrible customer service and then lock you into long-term contracts? That's why I want to introduce you to my friends over at Public Telephone Company. They are an industry-leading VOIP provider offering all-in-one business communication solutions that are completely contract-free with competitive pricing. But perhaps the best part, they're all about supporting their customers with U.S.-based customer service, and they're always willing to go the extra mile. Don't let your phone company drive you mad. Call Public Telephone Company today at 877-314-4080 or visit them at publictelephonecompany.com. That's publictelephonecompany.com. But I see your true colors shining through. I see your true colors. That's why I love you. So don't be afraid to let them shine. Welcome back to the David Pollock Show. I'm fueled up on uh, Beard Vet Coffee today, as you can tell. Remember, if you go to beardvet.com and put in promo code David, you get 10% off your order. It's a company that supports our veterans. A portion of the proceeds goes to take care of veteran organizations. A great company, great products. And now they've just introduced Beard Vet Tactical. You can get through it through the Beard Vet Coffee or go to beardvettactical.com. And my promo code works there, too. And they sell ammo. You want to get 10% off ammo, go to beardvet.com ta- or go to Beard Vet Tactical. And uh, use promo code David. Get your, save yourself some money on ammo because we all know in Joe Biden's economy, uh, we can all use a little bit of extra money because it's not getting easy, any easier, folks. Well, I want to get right into what I wanted to talk about tonight, and that is blockchain. And I have uh, an awesome panel for you tonight. A lot of uh, people who just know everything about blockchain, which is why I'm excited to have me to explain it to you because I really do think this is something people need to pay more attention to because this is the answer of securing elections. It's the answer for securing our finances and getting a leg up on uh, things that we really can't control. And so I want to welcome to the show. I'm going to have a panel discussion tonight, guys. So there's going to be three different voices. Um, I'll be trying to make it easy for you because it's radio. You won't be able to see them. But I want to welcome to the show Perry Wooden. He's the CEO and founder of Node40. Uh, Node40, uh, they do data analysis, accounting for crypto uh, currencies. Um, just think of like an accountant for your crypto. And uh, Perry's been a leader in blockchain for a long time, more than 20 years. Uh, he's an expert in this field. He's been a consultant before founding Node40. Um, we're, I'm excited to have you on the show. Welcome, Perry. I also want to welcome Jim Pfaff. He's now the CEO of the American Blockchain Pack. He's worked on Capitol Hill. I've had him on the show before to talk about political stuff, so I'm excited to have you here. And also Sam Armis. Uh, is it Arms or Armis, Sam? Uh, it's just Arms, like the appendage, but uh, spelled Armis. Sam Arms, uh, founder of the Florida Blockchain Business Association, um, and they 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 uh, advocate for uh, blockchain in the state of Florida. So with this star-studded blockchain team, we're going to have a discussion, and I'm going to go, I'll I'll let you all know which one I'm asking these questions to, but we're going to go down the list, essentially, and and we have to know, right out the gate, what the heck is blockchain? Perry, I'm going to go to you first. What's blockchain, and welcome to the David Pollack Show. Hey, David. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Okay, blockchain. Um, (laughs) So blockchain is a technology that allows us to transfer value without an intermediary. So instead of me sending money to you through somebody else or sending value or information, I can send that value or information directly to you. So blockchain is distributed, 
decentralized consensus. And I can break all those words down if, if that would be helpful. That would be tremendously helpful because here's the deal. I've tried. I'm just a political pundit. I, you know, I don't know anything about anything smart. So, uh, you know, and every time I have these discussions, I'm always like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then I ask follow-up questions, and it gets to the point where I realize how not smart I am. And then I, I usually change the subject, which is a problem <laughs> because I think this is really important. And as I started looking into it more and started realizing what blockchain could do um, for America, I said, wow, this is actually really important. We need to have a show on it. So, yes, could you break down a little bit further and assume that my listeners and me uh, has n- have never even heard of blockchain before and what all that actually means? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so I'll say it again. Distributed, decentralized consensus. So let's take that last word, consensus. And the best way to think about it is just agreement. So you and I can come to consensus or agreement about something. Maybe it's warm outside and you and I agree. So that's consensus. Now, when we get to uh, larger than two parties, uh, it becomes a little more difficult to come to consensus. Um, and uh, there, there are some things that we want to make sure that we get right uh, so that we're not violating the consensus. So when we are talking about uh, consensus agreement, um, we want to make sure that we are talking about something that is true. And that's, that's what the blockchain allows us to do come to consensus about something is, that is true. Because in everyday life, we could agree upon things that are false, or we could agree upon things that are true. So we could have people that agree that the earth is flat, they've come to a consensus, or we could have people that agree that the earth is round, or a sphere, and they come to consensus. So that's consensus, just agreement. Now, what we really want when we have uh, agreements is we want that to be distributed. We don't just want that to be between you and me. We don't want that to just be between two parties because one of us could change our mind. So I was talking to my kids about this yesterday, and I said, imagine, uh, child number one, that you have a piece of cake, the last piece of cake, and you want to give that to child number two. Um, and you want that agreement to be made throughout the family. So we all know each other. And so now we've distributed the consensus. We've distributed the agreement that the cake is going from child number one to child number two. So distributed agreement is really great because it, it, it holds us accountable uh, to some aspect, right? The child wonder, number one cannot now take the cake back because she's made an agreement uh, to give it to the other child. So that's distributed consensus. And that works really well with good actors in relatively small groups. And so the blockchain allows us to have distributed agreement or consensus uh, amongst the various or uh, uh, various groups of, of individuals or, or nodes. And and what once is, we start acting, yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, and then so once that agreement um, is, yeah. is, is the consensus is made, um, and we talk about the blockchain, what sort of things are being agreed upon in in that exchange? Yeah, so let's we'll kind of focus on on Bitcoin because you can use this distributed decentralized consensus for lots of things. But we're really coming to ownership of something and and really ownership of value. So I could send you say a Bitcoin. Um, I own the Bitcoin. I am transferring the ownership of that value to you. And so we have come to consensus uh, through this network that the ownership is passed from me to you. 
Uh, it is distributed, meaning everybody on the network uh, understands that that value transfer took place. And equally important to all of this is it is decentralized. So we don't have a central authority such as a government agency or a private organization clearing that transfer of value. So again, the distributed decentralized consensus, that's what is important about the blockchain. So in, in, in so I guess in historical purposes, you could do maybe a wire transfer if you want to exchange money from one person to another, but all of that is centralized and regulated. And so what this allows two people in a secure fashion to transfer things from one person to another without having essentially to get approval from anybody else once the consensus uh, yeah. is made. Yeah, I think you said the most important thing that allows two people to transfer. So the if, if you look at the Bitcoin white paper, and it's relatively short, so I would encourage people to look it up. But the title is a peer-to-peer, -peer, so two people, person-to-person, -person, electronic cash system. So two people transferring value between each other. Nobody else is in between. And so that's how this whole thing started, because, we, you know, they, they created this Bitcoin, and this is like, how do we exchange money and make people feel safe about it? And they're like, well, don't worry. We got this blockchain, and we're going to transfer money. This is safe, because Bitcoin is... You know, it's a cryptocurrency. It's not regulated. So how do people know? And, and these things become very, very valuable. Uh, now I think it's trading somewhere in the 40,000s. Uh, and so these become very valuable. And then if I want to buy one, how do I know I'm actually getting what I'm exchanging money for? And that's how, the, I guess, the blockchain makes people feel good about these transactions, right? Oh, yeah. So uh, you brought up another really good point is I could buy Bitcoin from an exchange like Coinbase. Um, but I don't really own that Bitcoin. It's not until I am the custodian of that Bitcoin, until I have it in my wallet, uh, you'll hear Bitcoiners say, not your keys, not your Bitcoin, until you have complete possession of that Bitcoin, is it really yours? Yeah, and that's, so where, the, like and that's where the blockchain comes gold, into... Right? Uh, and that's where the blockchain yeah. is good, because now I have a, a, a ledger, essentially, a digital ledger yeah. where I can say, hey, I own X amount because people aren't buying entire Bitcoins. People are buying fractions of Bitcoins and they're being <laughs> traded like any other stock. Well, now I have a, a digital ledger that was created that basically shows how much money, you know, I have in this. And it makes basically trading cryptocurrencies more secure, right? That's right. And and you could, it's provable. You can prove that you own that Bitcoin and you could, you could prove that to the entire world uh, without having to move it. And and I think and that's the and that's the beauty I think that came out of this and and this is what I've come to understand about Bitcoin, and and I'm going to take a break in a few seconds. I'm not. I got about a minute, so I'm going to try to sum up what you said. And when I come back, I want to uh, go to Jim and then Sam about how this technology is now going to be able to move into other things as well. Um, but from what I understand, then and from what you said, is essentially we had a, a problem, and we had to solve that problem, and that problem was I want to buy these cryptocurrencies, but I don't trust. You know, it's digital. It doesn't exist in real life. How do I know I'm getting? So they created this, essentially, this this digital ledger. It allows us for secure transaction to make people feel comfortable. But that's not the end of blockchain. Now blockchain, because this technology was created for cryptocurrency, can be used for so many other things. And that's the really cool part about it is it doesn't just stop with exchanging money for necessarily an item. This technology can make all kinds of exchanges more secure. And I'm really excited about talking about things like election integrity and the way blockchain could be used for that. And so I'm going to take a quick break because I have a hard break here at the half. 
Um, I'm gonna, yeah, I gotta pay a couple bills, but when I come back, I wanna talk more about how blockchain technology um, can help a lot of other things besides just buying uh, cryptocurrencies. So guys, don't go anywhere. The Dave Pollock Show, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the David Pollock Show. Sometimes I just listen to the music. I love this song. When it comes on, it just puts me in a good mood. All right. Well, I'm going to get back to blockchain and Bitcoin and crypto and all this fun stuff. Uh, you just heard uh, Perry talk about what blockchain was. And Jim, I, Jim, I want to go to you. Jim, you're the CEO of America Blockchain Pack. You are trying to convince Washington to do some things. Uh, what exactly do you hope uh, to use blockchain for? And welcome to the show again. Well, thanks for that. Well, um, listen, there are so many interesting uses for blockchain moving forward. Right now, everyone is looking at Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, and all that's important as far as it goes, Bitcoin in particular. But um, there are so many things that we can do that can benefit society. Uh, Things like we can actually uh, have a secure supply chain. You can know specifically from the person you purchase any item from exactly where that item is, and you can initiate the transaction directly with that person rather than having anyone in between in the process except for the shipper, and you're going to know exactly what that shipper is doing with it. Uh, trading of investments. Right now, there's a big push to uh, have a more uh, – kind of take out the middleman when you're going to invest in companies. This is probably would be, when it happens, one of the more regulated aspects of blockchain. And, and in fact, I'll, I'll discuss throughout the process how we want to limit the amount of uh, actual regulation to blockchain. But when it comes to trading securities, the, the, the typical safety valves that we have for investors would be there. But the transaction is directly between you and the company rather than having to have some stock exchange uh, add extra fees on it. So it can reduce those costs. It can actually make it work more quickly. Um, and then voting. I mean, you can have secure elections utilizing blockchain that are transparent. You know, one of the big things that was a big argument in the 2020 election has got everyone up in a fervor, both Trump supporters and those who are against Trump, is that you, you couldn't validate whether or not that election was secure because it was all up to the Secretary of State to either allow for an audit. Of course, the, the court could come in to require it, but still, the Secretary of State doesn't want to open it up. No, because they have to keep all those records secure and so forth. But, and now you could have independent auditors come in and, and look at those elections. So because let me – I want to add to what Perry was saying. Do, do I have a moment to do that real quick? Yeah, 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 go ahead. Yeah, so, so just to simplify this whole blockchain, blockchain is a ledger. Now, your bank has a ledger. It keeps an accounting of all the transactions that you have, that you, you know, whether you spend your money or deposit your money. It's all there on a ledger, an accounting register, just like you would have privately for, your, for whatever you do in your house or that you would have in your business. That's what blockchain is. It's a ledger, but it's very unique. Because in the electronic aspect of it, actually makes it even better. Because blockchain, whenever there's a blockchain transaction, it automatically updates on the system, and the the transaction itself is secure in there and cannot be changed in any way. 
but there's no intermediary. So if I want to give you money through a blockchain instrument, David, all I have to do is initiate it on my end. You receive it immediately on your end, and I don't have to wait for a bank to determine if that's there. This is particularly important with international transactions where you have to use what's called the SWIFT service, and it can take days for that transaction to get to you. If you're in Japan and I'm here in the United States, it'll take days for you to get that money in Japan. Whereas utilizing blockchain technology, it can happen almost instantly, like within a, a number of seconds. You can have that money active and available to you immediately. I don't have to wait for banks to try to figure it all out, to make mistakes. You know, if you do a uh, wire transfer of any sort, if you make a mistake on your account number, or any information that you get them, then you got to go back and start all over again. That money can get lost along the way. Blockchain makes that not possible. So there's no intermediary. And this is important, and this is why governments hate it. And so back to what I'm doing with American Blockchain Pack. Governments hate this because it takes them out of the loop in a couple areas. First of all, your transaction is owned by you, not by anyone else. No one, and, and we can talk about wallets, stuff like that. That's that's a different, slightly different issue. But the transaction is yours. The government can't come in and meddle it. They can't stop it from taking place. Also, they cannot have access to your transaction immediately without getting permission to do so, and that permission has to come to you. So if there's a warrant, well, then you, you'll need to give them the information. But the bank does not control what your money is. The government can't come in and shut down your money, take it away from you. The bank can't do it either. That's another thing that we have, and then I'll end on this. Banks are able right now to shut down unfavored uh, businesses that are politically unfavored. And one of the main areas we see this in is uh, anyone that sells or buys guns. That, that people that provide that service, they, they get unbanked immediately when banks say, nah, we don't want to deal with you. So there's a lot of security and safety and freedom in this, which is why the government's in an uproar about it. Yeah. And, and, and I want to bring in Sam, too, to the discussion. Now, Sam, this is, I'm assuming, what a lot of the lift you do in the state of Florida is and try to get um, Florida to allow some of these um, to kind of, I guess, open up the use of blockchain for certain things, right? Yeah, it really depends. So we do some fun things. We do some boring things, right? Uh, we've passed five bills in the Florida legislature. The last one we passed was the anti-CBDC bill. And then I have about three to four bills that are up in the Florida legislature this legislative session. But it goes from, you know, touching on money transmission laws, which is just how a lot of these uh, Bitcoin companies are regulated because it is transmission of different monetary goods, all the way to trying to get state-funded appropriations for different pilot projects, uh, which could be things like uh, digital identity or voting or something of the sort. Now, you, you mentioned CBDC, and um, I, I don't know if, if all my listeners know that acronym. It's a Central Bank Digital Currency, right? That's, that's yeah. this. And could you explain what that is and why we should be concerned about it and why you want it and why you don't want it? <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so central bank digital currencies are a very interesting concept. You know, we have the Bill of Rights, we have the Constitution, and we have kind of mandated what type of money we're supposed to use in the United States. And so I think one of the more interesting aspects we've seen 
over the years is that government can use money to invade your privacy and actually circumvent certain rights that were gifted under the Constitution. The one thing I always tell people is I'm all for efficient money, but I don't want authoritarian money. So what happens when the federal government issues its own type of digital currency that really isn't bound by the Constitution or the Bill of Rights or anything of the sort and is incredibly invasive? Uh, the common example DeSantis would give in his speeches would be if we were tying ESG scores to your purchases, which probably isn't too far off. Um, but just like getting deplatformed or getting banned or getting flagged for buying a gun, you know, imagine if the federal government or the Federal Reserve, you know, is able to track when you're buying a lamp and you want to buy another lamp, but you've already used all your ESG credits or the gas stove thing and stuff like that. So, Money is kind of this interesting backdoor to incentivize you as an American citizen to do what the government wants. And so kind of our landmark legislation was to ensure that any authoritative currency like that wouldn't be considered money in the state of Florida. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. And, and again, that, that, that from what I understand, that's the value of, of, of the blockchain is that you don't need a central bank digital currency. You can exchange money. Uh, without the central bank. And then that's the argument for central bank digital currencies. Like, oh, it makes everything quicker. You get a mortgage, it'll just be quicker. Everything will just go through the government and you don't have to worry about wire transfers or all that stuff. It'll just be quick. And I guess what what blockchain can provide is, well, we don't need the government. And this goes back to what Perry was saying. We don't need uh, a third party involved in this. This is peer, peer to peer. And, and Perry, I want to ask you, so is that sort of the, that in line with what you were saying earlier, is that this is better than CD, CBDC because it bypasses the need for the federal government to be involved in these transactions at all, right? Yeah, well, so the reason I think it's better than CBDCs, and, and let's specifically talk about Bitcoin, is because it's the battle between sort of the Keynesian modern monetary theory and the Austrian economics. So, you know, the Bitcoin is really the hardest money out there that's ever been created, um, harder than gold. And that's what we want. And I think that's what really scares the government, is because if there is adoption of Bitcoin as a you know, store of value or as a way to transfer value, that eliminates their ability to really manage the way, manage their way out of recessions, inflation, you know, with the way they tinker with the monetary policy. Um, Bitcoin doesn't allow that. Bitcoin has a fixed supply. Um, it, it, it's it's just we can think of it just like we do gold. And I think that's what they're freaked out about. And what and what is there? I mean, where do you think regulation is going um, with Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies? Does it look like uh, and they're trying to stop it for that purpose, or where, where do you see it going? Um, I, I almost think it's too big to fail now, and I think it's it's really interesting that this sort of snuck up on everybody. Uh, part of the reason is because it's been so difficult to understand that even the guidance and the regulations we see now are so full of inaccurate information uh, that they're just grasping at how do we contain this um, and allow the institutions who really want to start using cryptocurrencies to uh, to do that. So if we're talking about the ETFs and, and um, exchange-traded funds, um, the ability to buy Bitcoin with your retirement account, um, to buy paper Bitcoin, that is going to be huge for everybody. And, and that's moved so far forward that I don't believe they can stop it. 
So what they're going to do now and what they're attempting to do is just define the actors in the space so that they can keep tabs on who is doing what and then collect tax revenue on any exchange of value that's going forward. Yeah, I mean, and I know that's, I think people are becoming more comfortable with cryptocurrencies. And I want to ask you, and this is a little off topic, because I do want to get back in the issue of blockchain and certainly how it, um, how we can incorporate it in elections, as Jim was mentioning. But, you know, I'm looking at this economy. I'm looking at the stock market hitting record highs. But I just saw a report that um, some of the biggest hedge funds are, are basically pulling money out and suggesting that um, a recession is imminent. Uh, credit card balances for consumer credit cards is spiking to over a trillion dollars. Um, it does feel like, at least on Main Street, restaurants are slowing down. I have a friend who's in a restaurant business. He says, yeah, man, the restaurants are slow. It feels eerie. It feels like the ghost of 2007. It feels weird out here. But yet, Bitcoin is also hitting, you know, not record highs, but it's back up pretty high from where it was down before. I think it was low of like 17,000 not too long ago. Now it's back up into the 40s. What do you make of this? I want to go to you first, Perry, and then I'm going to go um, and, and ask Jim about elections. But what do you make of it, Perry? What, what's going on with our economy? Do you think Bitcoin stays steady and the economy struggles? What's going to happen? Uh, there's a confluence of events happening that are influencing the uh, accelerated value of Bitcoin. I, I, I do believe that will continue. We're going to see Bitcoin and gold uh, continue to go up in value because of these fears around the economy. Bitcoin has a few other tailwinds uh, that gold does not have. Uh, so that's why I think we're going to see it outperform any other asset. But yeah, it, it is certainly macroeconomic driven. Uh, and then some technology uh, and political things that are also going to drive that value forward. Okay, so if I had to think of Bitcoin, I think of it like gold, and that might actually. And the reason why it's it may be surging is because of people's concern about the a traditional economy, and that being maybe a better hedge on the economy. Is that what you're saying? You got it. That's okay. it. And then because you're here, and I don't know, you know, I run out of time on the show too quickly, and I never get time to uh, give my guests the love they deserve on their companies. If people are investing in Bitcoin because they want, uh, you know, a hedge on the economy, um, you guys are, I guess you cater to people who, I guess, need accounting for cryptocurrencies, right? How does Note 40 work? Yeah, so we produce a full audit trail of all of the transactions you take place uh, in the cryptocurrency world. And the reason that's important is we don't know what the regulations are right now. And there are concerns about, you know, regulators coming to knock on your door. So you want to be able to show exactly what you've done and take uh, certain positions in line with what your economic goals are. So we produce all of that financial reporting uh, that is backed up by your transactions. So it's, it's almost like protecting somebody from an invasive crypto audit because you have all the records. Yeah, it's protecting somebody from a, a crypto audit, but in a, in a simpler way, we're giving you uh, an education about economics and, and cryptocurrencies. You could share the reports we generate with your accountants. They're immediately going to understand what you did. They don't need to understand the technology. So we're divorcing the technology from the economic impact and just producing traditional financial reports. That makes perfect sense. I actually, I actually understand that. <laughs> um, Jim, Great. I want to I want to go to you real quick about um, elections, because you mentioned elections, and you mentioned how blockchain can... 
to secure elections. And uh, Jeff, just so you know, I'm taking a late break. Um, but So I want to go to you quick, and then I want to bring Sam back into the discussion. So how can blockchain then, part of your lobbying effort is to get maybe this blockchain used in our elections so we can have more confidence and secure in our elections? Well, that's going to happen on a state-by-state -state basis because constitutionally it's states that determine how they run their own elections. But we certainly would um, advocate for that process. And the way that it could work, there is a real interest. Well, first of all, the, the basic security of blockchain is that it uses a high level of encryption. It's the highest level of encryption really practical out there right now. Um, so this, this in, that, that part of it is really important because when you're doing these transactions, they remain secure transaction to transaction. That's the first part. Plus, it, it remains secure to you, um, even though that the, the key that is created from that encryption is publicly available. It doesn't show who you are directly. Now, that key can be traced, which, you know, once if anyone did find out it was yours, the public key of you could be found out. And, we, and, and actually, the governments have been able to go out and figure out um, some money trails because of that if they do enough research or they get a warrant to get that information. They can't get it from the blockchain itself, but if they can get it by other methods, they can trace it publicly. That's important for voting because we want transparency. You could audit an entire election because everything that happened is public. But there's another aspect of this that's really important. There are there, the, There's technology that's been developed already in the industry, and when it comes to voting, is probably very close to being able to be implemented, where you can have what's called a zero-knowledge proof. In other words, you can go further to the security and and let uh, that information be transacted without ever getting back to the person who actually initiated the transaction. When it comes to votes, that's the voter. So the voter can cast their vote and not even the uh, organization that, um, uh, you know, the, the secretary of state or whoever that, that runs the election, not even they will be able to trace it back to you internally. And that's a really unique um, uh, advancement in this area that could potentially allow us to do this very effectively so that you maintain the security of the voter, but then you have this transparency so everything can be traced and tracked of what happened. It would be a massive advancement in an age where we have come to a place where people just are beginning to have a lot of skepticism up to full-out mistrust of our election. It would, it would be a huge help to helping secure our republic and, and our voting system. No, and, and, and Sam, I want to bring you into that then because you, you do a lot of work in Florida. Uh, so is this something that um, you're working on in the state of Florida that we can use blockchain to secure our elections in Florida? We already have great elections in Florida. I mean, I do feel I, I know people scrutinize certain things, but if you look everywhere else, we have we're one of the largest states in the country and we produce our election results more efficiently and more secure than most other states. Do you think this is something um, that will be implemented in the state of Florida? I'm not entirely sure. Elections with blockchain tech is actually incredibly complicated. So I spent probably a year looking into that. There were some other states that were looking at blockchain pilots, and there was actually, there's still a company, I think, out in Ohio, that I think they're called Votum, that was experimenting with blockchain pilots. I haven't followed up and seen how successful they've been. But the problem that you run into 
is if blockchain is just a database, it's only as good as the data that goes in. And so a lot of times election and any conversation around election integrity comes down to what? It comes down to identity, right? So, for example, you could have a homeowners association issue an identity to anyone in that HOA, and that can be a valid form of voting identification. That's incredibly subjective, right? So if you don't solve the problem of identity, blockchain doesn't necessarily solve the solutions around elections. You also have to figure out, one, what type of blockchain you're using and how public you want it to be because of those privacy issues, which kind of begs some other questions. But it kind of becomes this convoluted process because, as you guys are probably well aware, election law is really localized. And so to have a distributed database that it can kind of coordinate among all these different localities becomes incredibly tough and gets bogged down in enough law to where it almost becomes impossible. But I think the key, unfortunately, is you have to start with some kind of uniform identity code, and you really have to verify that people are who they say they are. And if you can't solve that problem, which I think is a, a wider issue than just putting elections on the blockchain, then you can't really swear or validate that the the inputs on that database, the blockchain, are going to be accurate. So certainly the blockchain has certain solutions, but that identity problem seems to be the number one reason why a lot of other states that have tried different blockchain pilots have failed. Interesting. Okay. Um, David, could I add something to that just very quickly? Uh, yeah, real It'll quick. Be brief. Well, I got to so, uh, um, very yeah, quickly. Monty, Monty Warner. Yeah, Monty Warner, who's been the Secretary of State of West Virginia, has done a lot of work in that. There have been a couple other Secretaries of State. He's really advanced. Real quick on that, identity is also one of the things that is a massive benefit of blockchain and something that could, uh, and something that could be used to great and positive effect. I'll leave it at that. Okay. No, thank you. And, and I, and I got to run here in a few minutes, so I just want to give everyone an opportunity to promote their stuff here. Um, uh, uh, Sam, you also have a podcast in addition to the Florida Blockchain Business Association. Do you want to tell our listeners how they can find more from you and, and information about you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. My Twitter is just my name, Samuel Arms. I also have a YouTube that just goes by Samuel Arms. Uh, and all of that should have my link tree, which follows to my other social medias. Perfect. Um, and then, uh, Perry, how can people find out more out about Node40? Yeah, uh, best way to go to the uh, website, node, N-O-D-E, 40.com, so node40.com. Um, and you can reach uh, really anybody at the company through that site. Perfect. And then, Jim, if people want to hear more from you. Uh, they go to AmericanBlockchainPack.org, AmericanBlockchainPack.org. And uh, they'll find out everything about what we're doing to support uh, candidates in federal elections that will uh, be supportive of blockchain. Gentlemen, thank you so much for um, providing all of that great insight to our listeners. I know it's a complicated subject. We'll talk about it more. Um, it's just it's a good uh, introduction to the listeners to know that this is something we need to start thinking about. And I appreciate everybody's contribution so much. Uh, thank you all for being on the show. Thanks, David. Thanks. All right, guys, we're going to take, like, the quickest break ever and come back, and then I'm going to wrap up the show. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. David Pollock here. I hope you're enjoying the show. 
If you're looking for more information on any of our sponsors, or perhaps you want to hear a replay of a past show, make sure to visit thedavidpollockshow.com. There, you'll also find our latest articles, links to our social media, and opportunities to become a sponsor yourself. So remember to visit thedavidpollockshow.com. With today's economic environment, it's never been more important to secure your hard-earned wealth for you and your family's future. FinSec Life works to offer industry-leading customer service to help successful individuals and businesses protect their wealth. Whether it's a business succession plan, estate liquidity, or a variety of life and long-term care policies, FinSec Life can help deliver peace of mind, knowing that if something happens, you or your company is taken care of. Visit FinSecLife.com. That's F-I-N-S-E-C Life.com. Securities offered through Valmark Security, Inc., member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Valmark Advisors, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. FinSec Life is a separate entity from Valmark Securities, Inc. and Valmark Advisors, Inc. How can I try to explain when I do he turns away And welcome back to the final two minutes of the David Pollock show. Um, interesting discussion. Again, the technology is changing, the world is changing uh, and it's it's always good to kind of get ahead of it and figure out what's coming. I missed just so you all know I'm watching a video right now. Uh, I missed my daughter's the first time I think ever in my life I've missed an event. I missed my daughter's dance recital tonight because I have to bring you this show live. Uh, we're running on the coming up on the end of the year. Not too many live shows left, so I wanted to be here for you guys. But I'm watching this video, and I'm really upset that I wasn't there. So I'm sorry to my daughter that I wasn't able to be there. But I'm watching the video. You did a great job. Um, yeah, so in the last two minutes that I have left, guys, this is just something to pay attention to with blockchain and Bitcoin and all this other economic stuff because I'll tell you this. Um, the economy is doing some funny things, and there's so much manipulation out there. The Fed messing with rates. They're talking about rates going down maybe next year. But at the same time, I, I told you, like, there's a lot of people in this world that are saying that the economy is going to certainly be in a recession. And that is what the Fed has wanted because we were spending too much money. Inflation, we couldn't stop spending money, so now we need to slow down the economy. Uh, and who does that affect? It affects you. It affects me. It affects, affects all of us that are just trying to uh, make it. Um, so certainly pay attention to what's going on. I, like I said, credit card balances spiked to a record over a trillion dollars. So what I'm noticing is people are panic spending at this point. I'm not an economist, but what I do know is that people are trying to live the same quality of life that they lived when the economy was better, uh, when money was flowing from the government, where things were cheaper and people are like trying just to live like they were, uh, it's becoming harder and harder to live like you were. And eventually... Uh, you know, we might have to pay the piper, and that's why it's vital, again, that we elect Donald Trump in 2024, because if you want this economy to, to, to survive, uh, he's already proven his ability to resuscitate the economy once, and we're going to need it again. I, don't, I do not know what's in stock for us. Um, if Donald Trump is the next president. So keep an eye on that. I'm out of time tonight, guys. Of course, you can always check out the post-show Twitter space at The Pollock Show on Twitter X. We'll continue the blockchain conversation and talk about some of this other thing. Uh, the other things I did get to bring you this funny thing. I'll save it for next week. It'll never get old. Um, Vivek Ramaswamy peeing on an open mic. <laughs> Just join us next week, and I'll share that with you. It is never going to get old, um, and I'll share that with you. And then, of course, we'll have more to discuss next time. So, as always, I appreciate you joining us. Get your Christmas shopping done. Uh, stay safe out there, and um, we will see you here, same time, same place, next week. And remember to join us at the Pollock Show post-Twitter X Show. 
Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon.